What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to The Window, Canada's sports betting podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, it's the NFL recap episode, where we look back at week nine in the NFL to commiserate and celebrate the various bets we made on Sunday. I'm joined by friend of the podcast, Sheldon Alexander, host of the On Blast Podcast Network, to discuss where we went right and where we went wrong. We'll break down the atrocities of officiating from Sunday and why some of the headlines are a little misleading. Plus, my love of Jake Luton. Break off that spin move, son. It's time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to the window. I'm your host, Matt Russell. Something a little different for the Monday show where we recap Sunday in the NFL. We've got a guest today and hopefully for Mondays to come to help us celebrate and commiserate and of course analyze yesterday's day. I'm lucky enough to go on his podcast every Thursday, the I'll Name This Football Pod Later show on the On Blast podcast feed. It's Sheldon Alexander. Good morning to you, my friend. Good morning to you as well, Mr. Russell. Uh, Celebrate and commiserate. I like that. Can I put that on a t-shirt? I like that. If you you cut me in for at least 50% on that, you absolutely could. I'll have my people talk to your people. Don't worry. worry. (laughs) Exactly. Talk to my assistant, the uh, research department, uh, the whole crew over here. Um, So how did you do yesterday? I say yesterday, so we don't include Thursday. That's well in the rearview mirror. Just Uh, yesterday, how did you do? So just yesterday would be six and five. Okay. And the funny thing is, so, and we talk about this a lot, as you mentioned on the pod we do on Thursdays, right? I'm about the feels. And so it's like the losses, I can accept certain losses, right? And and as long as I'm like, okay, this is where we went wrong. This is where I went wrong. I can accept that. I'm okay with that. I'm like, the numbers are, are for show, right? Like you show someone else like, hey, this is my record, blah, 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 blah. Right. So I like the fact that what we've been building and how I've been feeling is, as you said a couple of weeks ago, seeing the ball well, if that yeah, makes sense, right? Absolutely. Like, I didn't listen to you when you told me to take the bills, but I knew <laughs> ahead of time. I think I even said word for word, I'm like, listen, me and the bills have a love, hate, mostly hate relationship. And every time I'm, I think I got them pegged, they go the opposite way. So I knew what was happening going in. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you were looking fastball, and they threw you a curveball. And I tried to tell you curveball was coming. I was whacking the garbage can, man. I was hitting the garbage can. I was, I was buzzing you. Your shoulder thing was going off. You didn't even care. You're like, no, he's coming heater with me. He's coming heater. And no, all of a sudden... Uh, way out in front as the Bills hit you with the curveball. So uh, we'll get to the Bills in a second, but I think the, you know a lot of the times Monday morning, the most fresh thing, as crazy as it sounds, is the Sunday night football game. And you're a big, uh, you know, you love talking the Brady and the Belichick, that matchup. We talk about that sort of every uh, week here. And yeah. this for the first time all year, tough scene really, for the Brady element here, right? The Saints D that we kind of been waiting for, right? We're going all the way back to the first podcast that you and I did. My preview podcast was, listen, the Saints and the Bucs are going to be defensive-oriented teams. And we got that from the Bucs this year. We just hadn't got it yet from the Saints. And they finally show up in a massive way. This wasn't the team that we've seen the last few weeks. And for Tampa Bay, really bizarre performance. 
It's like they've got too many weapons where it's like, oh, yeah, Mike Evans is on the team like halfway through the second quarter. So what did you think of this one? So the first thing that threw me off was you actually alerted to the fact that for some reason the Bucks line went down to Bucks three minus three. Yeah. And yeah. I was kind of like, hold on, what's happening here? Right. And right. it's like, no matter what's going on, that's just weird to me. Right. That was the first thing that had me like, okay, what's up? Yeah. But then the Bucks come out and they just didn't look prepared for this game at all. And you yeah. have games sometimes where it's like, what's your game plan here? Because right. none of it made sense. You mentioned too many weapons. I agree. They have no offensive flow at all. Brady, week after week, it's like he picks one guy, and I'm just going to try to force feed this guy in this game. And it's right. like, no flow to the offense, still no running game. Where's the game plan? And on defense, the most frustrating part, yeah. to, like as a viewer, and you have the Bucks. okay? <laughs> How is your defensive game plan against Drew Brees in this checkdown right. offense? You know what we're going to do? We're going to sit back and play a zone and just let Drew Brees <laughs> pick us apart. That's our game right. plan. What? Yeah, it's not like he's been around for 20 years just shredding zones over and over and over again. On a windy night, too, right? Like, you want to, like, ah, just absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but when you talk about, like, that line, yeah, I tweeted out, I'm like, Tampa Bay minus three. Like, I don't care what happens in this game, but Tampa Bay minus three, based on everything that we've seen this season, doesn't make any sense. And it was finally the... You know, every week it's been the Saints getting credit, right? And the, and the line was always a point, point and a half off to where we sort of felt like it was going to be, whether it was against the Bears, whether it was against the Chargers, the Panthers, all of that. And so this was the first week where I thought minus four and a half, minus five was actually a fair price. Yeah. And then for it to go, sure enough, it finally went for the Saints from a money standpoint, right? Brought it down to minus three. And I was like, listen, the Saints might win this game. I don't know what's going to happen here. I'm not, you know, we're not predicting at the outcome of one single solitary game. But if this game is going to be lined Tampa Bay minus three for the rest of time, that's just too low. Like it wasn't a yeah. best bet. It was just like the facts are the facts. Now, I didn't know that the Bucks weren't going to show up in any way, shape or form <laughs> or that the Saints are going to look incredible just because they haven't looked that way yet this season. Yeah. And so if this line, if this game was happening again this week, like it was some sort of weird scenario where it was a seven game series, what do you think the line would be? Like, I mean, I guess we adjust it because of the blowout, but like, Listen, if the Saints were 31-point favorites on the road, they would have covered that line, too. So it doesn't, it's not like, oh, the line was way off because the Saints, like, it was that ridiculous. It's not like, you know, the line isn't so far off because the Saints are 35 points better than Tampa Bay. Like, that's just not the case. It was just one yeah. team showed up and the other team didn't. So None um, of it makes sense. None of it made sense. No, no. And listen, I also tweeted out, like, don't we all miss Dallas-Philadelphia? Because that game was <laughs> way more entertaining than what we got from Sunday night, right? Like, people complaining about Dallas and Philly last week were like, just wait for Tampa-New Orleans next week. Now you'll really see a football game. Can I just also give you credit for something very early on? Always. In our preview pod, <laughs> always. <laughs> in our preview pod, I think I remember saying that uh, very late in the draft, like maybe my one of my last picks, I picked Leonard Fournette. Okay. I remember you being like, Leonard Fournette is washed. Like he's, just, <laughs> he might not even be washed. He's just not good. <laughs> right. right. And I'm yeah. watching them play. And it's like, clearly the Bucks don't even think Leonard Fournette is good as they only rush the ball. What? Like five times. Yeah. Maybe all four? time low, all time like, low, five times, five times, including happening? the knee, I think at the end. So officially five times. Game well, is Bruce Arians a good coach? 
Serious uh, question. No, listen, I mean, the Bruce Arians thing, it's it, like he is the king of inconsistency from a coaching standpoint, too. And the depressing thing, he's probably a top 10 coach in the league, but that is not saying anything <laughs> for Bruce Arians. Speaking of fair, coaching, fair, fair. And, and as we talked about the curveballs and the fastballs and one team showing up and the other team not showing up, are the Buffalo Bills two touchdowns better than the Seattle Seahawks? No, of course they're no. not, right? Yeah, and so... But the Bills come in and they go, how are we going to beat the Seahawks? And they go, you know what? We're just going to throw the ball every time because the Seahawks stink at throwing the ball. And Pete Carroll comes in after and he's like, well, we had a really good game plan for their run game. I'm so glad you mentioned this. (laughs) Yeah, right? Like, come on, Pete. (laughs) I was watching the highlights and they ran that. They ran that clip after it. I did the like, irks, like looked up, <laughs> like, wait, what, what did he just say? Like, <laughs> what? I'm so yeah. confused. And it's a day that my guy gets his contract extension, but it's yeah. just kind of like, okay, what are we doing here? I understand that it might've been a bit of a, a, a hectic week. Your head might not have been fully in the game or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I'm now I'm making excuse for Pete Carroll. Right. As a Niners fan, I don't like to do that. But <laughs> my, my point is, how is that the game plan? And we wondered how much um, Adams returning on defense would yeah. help them. And it's like, I mean, he was making some plays, but their defense yeah. is still hot lava trash. Like, yeah, and so it, bad. Absolutely, right? And it's like, and, and we talked about the spot last week, right? Where it was like yes. after the Arizona overtime, after the big win against San Francisco, obviously the arch rival, as you alluded to. And now it's like, okay, let's go on the road and play Buffalo, a team that hasn't shown all that much lately. And again, right, the weather, it's, it's this, it's the reframing of the Buffalo Bills. The, yep. no, we don't want it to be snowy. We don't want it to be like sleet going on. That doesn't help the Bills anymore, yeah. right? They got by, you know, having mediocre seasons because they would get two to three wins a year, just playing in absolute disaster shows of weather. This is not that. And Josh yeah. Allen needs perfect conditions. We need to build a dome immediately in Buffalo <laughs> if we're going to have success here. I say we as if I'm some Bills fan. I'm not. But like, you know, like as, as a Bills supporter for one day, it was, uh, it was nice to be like, okay, like he can move this ball with ease uh, in the outdoors. Uh, I'm not upgrading or downgrading either team because it was just no. like, it was exactly what we expected, right? Yeah, it was, it was like, spot. okay, Seattle's going to have trouble here. Buffalo, this is sort of, you know, a very sort of game of the year type feel, especially when it comes to the conditions. Um, so, yeah, you we also, get a winner there and we the, sort of move on with our lives. Yeah, and the other thing that was super funny about that was to start every every t- single time you watch the Bill Seahawks highlights, it yeah. starts with the same Josh Allen ISO of him ISO. I said that as if everyone knows what an ISO is. But the same <laughs> right. picture or image of yeah. Josh Allen going, oh, it's so hot. It's too hot. And he's like waving his fingers. And as soon as I saw that, I'm just like, yep, this is just twisting the knife as me not listening to Russell, who told me that Josh yeah. Allen in the heat. He's, well, he's ready. He's hot. I, I didn't listen to myself, right? I took them out of the Circa Million contest picks, right? Still a best bet. I you know, one you. of the eight that I went four and four on for another week. Yeah. Awesome. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I leave them off. And, of course, like, I immediately regret that, right? Like, 115. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, Buffalo's going to win this game relatively easily. And I left them off of the uh, top five circa million picks. So that was annoying. Um, next game. And this yep. is going to be not the game most people think I'm going to talk about with the second yep. game on the list. Houston and Jacksonville. Absolutely, <laughs> folks, because I am taking a victory lap 
with my man Jake Luton. I As you should. On As Jake Luton. And this is, you know, this isn't why you watch college football. You watch college football because, frankly, it's a better product than the NFL. But, um, yeah, <laughs> steamer right there. Uh, but to note, right, like we talked about the difference last week between Ben DiNucci, for example, and a guy like Jake Luton, right? 28-3 and three as far as touchdown-interception ratio uh, in his final season at Oregon State. And he's used to playing teams who are better than the team that he's playing on, right? <laughs> so I'm like, he's going to be fine out there, right? Like big quarterback and then first drive of the game, 73-yard touchdown. And it's like, Luton. But the reason I want to bring this up, not just because of the sick spin move to get the backdoor cover, um, which was, you know, outstanding. Uh, I, we need to talk about, did you see the touchdown that Will Fuller scored? The 73-5 whatever yarder for I Houston. And, like, how many seconds have, has the play <laughs> clock have to be at zero before somebody notices it? Like, even just the defense, like, I, I'm obviously I'm blaming the referee because, like, he, there's literally one guy out there whose job it is to stare at the play clock. And he Correct. stares and he stares and he stares and he doesn't. Or he just ignored it. He, he, just, he just chose not to do his job <laughs> on that play. And I want to talk about it because, like, it's aggravating as hell. And, like, I, I'm, I want to talk about it earlier because it was in a game that we won, right? Like, we had yeah. the Jags plus seven, mm-hmm. uh, plus six and a half. So it's like, it's not sour grapes because we didn't win the game. I guess in theory, they probably maybe could have won the game outright and knocked out some survivor people. And I'm not going to lie to you, I did have some Jags money line. So maybe I am a little bit bitter about that. But like, (laughs) how in the NFL does that happen? And it feels like bigger picture, these referees botch. Like every play, there's some sort of botching. And maybe that's because I'm watching five games at a time. But God, it's horrific. It is so bad. And it's... It sucks because do you know why these things don't get solved? Because the greater public, like the the main storyline the next day, is never going to be that play that happened in the middle of the fourth quarter or third quarter. I don't remember when it was exactly, right? Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's never going to be that unless it's to end the game, like the famous Saints game a couple years ago, right? Yeah. Then you get drastic changes. But a play like that, is horrible, but it only really affects if you're a Jags fan or if you're DGens like us betting sure. on the Jags to win the game. Well, and the media too, like like we, like they show one play from that entire game, right? Exactly. Like on the Sunday night football pregame show, exactly. and it's like Houston knocks off ja- the Jags thanks to Will Fuller's seventy whatever touchdown, and it's like they cut in right at the snap, right? They don't cut in the five seconds before that exactly. when the play clock was at zero. They don't talk about how that was controversy because the 11 Jags fans out there, you know, like what voice do they have, right? Like they're voting for a third party candidate at this point going like just yelling into no man's land. So uh, there's a joke to, to be that. made about counting and counting the clock. And there's a joke to be made there that yeah. I'm just going to bypass. Well, and- Florida just being involved uh, in exactly. some way, shape, or form. So yeah. luckily enough, we ended up cashing that ticket from an against the spread standpoint and made what was looking to be a bit of a horror show from yeah. at least a contest standpoint, um, made that a little bit better. The other winner that we had of the early round, Carolina and Kansas Woo! City. This is, you know, kind of went how we thought it was going to, right? Kansas City's going to be able to score a ton. Carolina's yep. going to need to score a ton, and they were able to do so. Talked in my, on my podcast on Friday about how mm-hmm. Kansas City gives up a ton of catches to running backs. Like, if you run that sort yeah. of an offense, you can have Kansas City. 
and 10 catches later for Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> Welcome right? you're back. Like, oh, yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, that's what he does. Like, as cute as, like, the Mike Davis four catches were, like, this 10 catches and some just absolutely ridiculous ones, too, for yeah. McCaffrey, where you're just like, oh, yeah, like, that's what this guy does. And he was the difference. And I thought, listen, the Teddy Two Gloves thing, another notch under his, you know, uh, against the spread, underdog, on the road, you know, as a big underdog, like another yeah. notch on his belt from that. But it was like, that was it. You don't win the game with Teddy because he can't, you know, that last drive where they have to settle for a 60 billion yard field goal. And my guy, yeah. Joey Sly, is just hoping for the best. It's like you had enough time to get him a little bit closer downwind, like a 50 yarder sure. would have probably worked. And it just, it just isn't in his nature, right? Like, yeah. And I think he too, they miss a couple like deep targets at DJ Moore, which probably mm-hmm. would have set them up a little more. Pardon the pun. But <laughs> I also think that with, with Bridgewater, it's so tough to be mad at him when you see my guy converting like, yeah. what was it, third and 14 runs? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm watching Bridgewater and I'm just like, wait, how was everyone and I don't want to say everyone, but how were a lot of people so wrong about him? Like he's clearly an NFL quarterback. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like how no, was, sure. It, yeah, it just a first round so... pick too. So it's not like he fell in the draft. Obviously exactly. the injury in Minnesota was sort of the thing where it's like a reclamation project and mm-hmm. you know, he sort of worked his way up. I think really this was kind of the first year that he could have been good, right? Because mm-hmm. like he was so young when he got hurt that mm-hmm. it was like, okay, first he's got to reconstruct his leg. So let's just start there. And then it's like, okay, you got to build your way back up. And that's what he did in New Orleans, right? He went to the exact right spot for that from sort of an offensive, you know, mind training element uh, to it. And so this is sort of the best case for him. And now he can kind of go on with his career and and, and we'll see where it goes, right? And it's just, yeah. The other thing, though, too, about this game to me in terms of uh, one thing you talk about all the time is the double-digit spreads. And when you have a team like the Chiefs who are going to be involved in a lot of double-digit spread games, right? this was a perfect example of just are they going against a quarterback that is competent, right? Yeah, the functional quarterback. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that was just a perfect example of Bridgewater being able to do enough to keep it close. And some might argue might have won the game or should have won the game, right? Yeah. But it's just – Either way, entertaining, and we'll yeah. take the cover plus and, eleven. <laughs> and with the uh, and with these double digit spreads, like I'm starting to, I had this sort of epiphany last night, if you will. Okay. But I was like, these double digit spreads, it's almost less about how much they're going to win by, and it's more like the function of the money line, right? So like the money okay. line for that game is, you know, minus four hundred or whatever, which is sort of you know a probability of like eighty mm-hmm. percent, and and it's more like what's the last five minutes going to look like and it's Mm -hmm. like okay that probability that money line is the likelihood of each team doing it correctly whether it's defensively or offensively right and it's like yeah like once it got down to five minutes to go Kansas City was about 80% more likely that they were going to get it figured out. And we'll talk about a game from the afternoon slate that was pretty similar in that it was like, okay, the first 50 minutes can go a certain way. Obviously, if the better team like shows up and is ready to play and like is out for blood, they're going to cover that spread. But by and large in the NFL, you're just trying to win by a couple of scores. And that could be 10 points. That could be 14 points. And if anything goes wrong, like it's a very sort of thin margin 
But when it gets down to it with all of these teams that are in, you know, like we see it in Survivor, right? Every week it's like, oh, this team might go down. This team might go down. And then <laughs> in, in the end, it's like, no, they actually just won by a field goal. Like they blew yeah. up all the six point teasers that ridiculous ones that people were like, oh, I'll take the 12 point favorite down to six and like see yeah. if that works out. And it's like, no, they won by three points. So your teaser loses. <laughs> but they were like they they were sort of in jeopardy of losing. But it was like, well, no, like the reason that they are 14 or 10 point favorites is because in that last five minutes when they absolutely have to have a drive, there's a probability there that they're going to execute that versus the other team. And so. Yeah, like I love taking the points and I think that's by and large sort of a strategy to sort of be, start with in every single instance where there's a double digit uh, favorite yeah. involved. But really where it comes to fruition, I think, is in those last five minutes closing out a game. So I like it. Um, I like yeah, it. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it just occurred. It was like, yeah, all these games, like why are all these favorites winning close? Like how are none of these underdogs pulling this off? And it's like, because they're not good enough to. Like they're good <laughs> enough to hang in for a bit. Um one game that we need to talk about. I think you have some takes on this, and they might be a little more oh. bigger picture. But oh. Giants and the Washington football uh, team, absolutely geez. torturous on a couple of different levels. So, first of all, like, five turnovers to zero, <laughs> which could very easily have been five turnovers for the Giants and zero for Washington if you had told me that before the game started, right? If you said yep. the turnover margin is going to be 5 nothing, I'd be like, could go either way, still. And the game itself, a three-point game despite the five turnovers. Now, obviously, that fifth turnover quelled or canceled out a drive. The fourth turnover also canceled out a drive. So if it was even just four turnovers or three turnovers, I think Washington probably wins the game. But it starts yeah. out with fumble fest, right? Like the classic clip, NFC East. Like an NFC East can't game can't go by without one play going viral summarizing the entire nfc east right in this case it was the show i don't understand (laughs) like what like how is this possible why do we not see this mess with any other teams right like even the jags and texans neither of those teams are that good but you don't really see the chaos of a ball being fumbled like 35 yards down the no those teams stink and it was a professionally (laughs) played football game right (laughs) like people were making adequate professional football plays whereas like washington new york they're kicking the ball down the field for 50 yards you know like it's new year's eve i don't know why anybody would do that on new year's eve but it seemed like a party (laughs) alex smith though i I got a question yeah is dwayne haskins really that bad like this is this is where i'm going here yeah, Alex that's what Smith. I saw you say that yesterday. And I think the answer is yeah. <laughs> no, but here's the thing. He can't okay. be that much worse than Alex Smith. He can't be. And I know there's probably some gray area or like grace sure. period before we're allowed to fully savage Alex Smith because his return to be to playing in the NFL yeah. is great and it's a great story. And I applaud him for, you know, fighting adversity and getting back into the league. I get that. But mm-hmm. When we're talking about just a professional quarterback here, right? Right. There's nothing that I've seen from Alex Smith in his – like, I had no faith in Washington coming back in that game First half, right? Because I've I seen didn't Alex either. Smith's I was message. pleasantly surprised to find out that they were actually in that game. <laughs> like, I gave up at 23 to 3 or whatever it was. Well, as a Niners fan, I've seen Alex Smith's resume before. He's not mm-hmm. leading you back to any, like, heroic comeback. We'll say the one game against the Saints in the playoffs, legendary Alex Smith. I remember I vowed that after that play, I would never say anything bad about Alex Smith for one full year. (laughs) 
and you it suspended didn't last. yourself from Smith slander. I like it. It didn't. It didn't even last. Didn't even last. So yeah. I'm watching that game, and it's two just horrible interceptions when horrible. you just need a field goal. Like, yeah. do your check down Charlie thing and take yeah. the field goal and, yeah. and let's play ball in OT. Yeah, he's trying, like, fadeaway jump throws, and, like, the running back is, like, 5'7", and he's, like, leaping (laughs) up to try to make the play. And then the last one where it was just, like, you threw it directly (laughs) at the guy, man. Like, that wasn't even remotely in the vicinity of Terry McLaurin. And so, So, yeah, like, the thing with Haskins, so just – so it it, it fundamentally sort of what you hear out of Washington is that, like, he does not – he doesn't put the work in. Right. Okay. Like it's a it's okay. a it, it's a work in thing. And it's also yeah. maybe like he doesn't grasp an NFL offense. You go sort of how okay. can that be with he had such good success in college. But like think about the Ohio State program, for example. Right. <laughs> we're looking at two decades of yeah. being awesome. Mm-hmm. Right. But who is the quarterback from Ohio State? Right? right. That's come out and, and, and had success in the NFL. Like Troy Smith won the Heisman. Mm -hmm. couldn't get a sniff in the NFL. Like, it's a laundry list of dudes that, like, Cardale Jones won a national championship, right? Like, never, you know, was on a couple of teams, but nobody, and had all the talent in the world, but nobody was going, like, we got to get Cardale Jones into this lineup. And so, Mm -hmm. Ohio State has the best players in every game that they play, right? Yeah. So, fundamentally, they don't have to do all that much from a complex offensive scheme standpoint, right? They sort of line it up and they go, okay, here's your read. The guy's going to be really open because we're (laughs) better than them because it's the only, they might be the only team that just recruits so much better than everyone else in the conference, right? Like people want to say Ohio state and Michigan, but the recruit level isn't even close. And that's why Michigan loses every year, right? It isn't because (laughs) Jim Harbaugh sucks though. He probably still does. Like it's because they just don't have as good of players. And so yeah. every year they show up and Michigan might have knocked off Illinois and Nebraska and Indiana and they might yeah. be undefeated, but they show up and they go, holy bleak, like Ohio State is like an SEC team. Now you have <laughs> SEC teams that have multiple teams that recruit really well. Alabama, sure. obviously, Florida, Georgia, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so it's like, well, if you just took one of those teams and plopped them in the Big Ten and replaced them with Ohio State, they would crush everybody too. So the point yeah. is, is that the quarterback never really yeah. has to do anything special no, in these sense. games, right? And so the numbers get jacked up and you go, holy Haskins, 50 touchdowns. Like, that's insane. It's like, yeah, you had six against Rutgers, six <laughs> against Indiana, six a year, six there, and like six against a Michigan team that like he actually had to stay in the entire game for because they were yeah. at least scoring a little bit. Yeah. And then they get to the NFL and it's like, oh yeah, this guy's clueless. Like he doesn't know <laughs> what he's doing. And, you know, and it doesn't, it doesn't really matter who it is. It just, that seems to be the case. And the fact that Joe Burrow was on Ohio state briefly and left yeah. is kind of hilarious. Cause it's like, that's the guy who, you know, obviously has can retain a complex system here with LSU yeah. and, and turn that whole thing around. Like I imagine and, he would be amazing at Ohio state, but he would, Ohio state would probably stunt his, growth if you will development exactly and so yeah and like it's a different coach now right like Rivera comes in he certainly gives Haskin in theory as as much a chance chance. I mean you know maybe there could have been a longer leash if they had um you know preseason or all of that it's just like what about Haskins in one season at Ohio State really should have lent us to believe that he was going to be that much different 
than some of these other Ohio State quarterbacks who have yeah. basically had no no success in the NFL. So, yeah, I mean, like, listen, when Kyle Allen goes out with that injury, it wasn't Kyle Allen's fault that they were down 10 nothing, right? We had a muffed yeah. punt fumble situation and that atrocity of the fumble when they were, in theory, could have been moving the ball down the field on their first drive. And so they get down 10 nothing before anything really happens that has anything to do with Kyle Allen. And then he goes out and you're just like, oh, God, here comes Alex Smith. And yeah, you're not believing that anything's good's going to happen there. So it was like, it was the most fraudulent, yeah. like 300 yard performance uh, of all time, potentially. Uh, because oh, cause it was a one big play, right? There was a yeah. one like, what was it, 80 yard touchdown or some, something like Which, that? Yeah, to McLaurin. Like 70 yard touchdown. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> and it could have easily been an interception if it was anybody sure. other than McLaurin. Cause like McLaurin somehow managed to like body off the defender while catching the ball. And then of course, like breaking all kinds of tackles um, in that case. Yeah. So. I would like to thank you for breaking that down for me for Haskins because I didn't know that part. But I will say, as soon as you got into it, just in terms of the offenses and all that, and get them yeah. getting to the NFL, not being able to grasp, I was reminded of have you seen that Rose Bowl doc about uh, Vince Young and oh, sure. Matt Leinart? Yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget that that doc in the moment where they're talking about what went wrong in their careers. And this is Vince Young and Matt Leinart, right? Arguably yeah. the best college football game ever. And they were both talking about how in the NFL, they're like, oh, I just didn't work hard enough. Like, I never really studied. And it was like, wait, what? Like, I remember watching that and be like, wait, hold on. Rewind. You didn't study (laughs) at all? And Vince Young's like, yeah, I kind of knew the playbook, but I was kind of just freestyling out there. And I was like, how are you freestyling? Way more talented than everybody else. Like, Matt (laughs) Leinart had a million guys to throw to, or in the case of Reggie Bush, hand the ball to or throw to. (laughs) And it's like, I call it living the hot tub life. For sure. Like, remember, like, Josh Rosen built a hot tub in his dorm room or in his house or whatever? It's like, where's Josh (laughs) Rosen right now? Well, he was busy living the hot tub life (laughs) at UCLA. And listen, I had been doing the exact same thing. But it's like, there there isn't, like, the work ethic that some of these guys have. And, you know, listen, you could – that's why we don't know about any of these quarterbacks, right? We're like, I don't know if Herbert's going to be good. I don't know if two is going to be good. I don't know if this guy – because, like, the competition is so out of whack. Like, Josh Allen's playing at Wyoming – so like in the snow and apparently he's not even good in the weather. So it was like, what's that decision about? And so you just don't know every, every single it's guy amazing. comes in and you just go, I don't know, Trubisky second overall. Like that seems like it might make sense. And it's like, I like, why would we think he's good? And, and anyway, it's just, it's a complete, it's like, you know, and that's how why we all that's pass why, on Mahomes. What? Well, that's why this talent, the element of talent is the key thing. And that's why Trubisky gets drafted number two, because we go, I don't know if these guys are going to care. I don't know if these guys are going to work hard enough. So we might as well get the guy who has a rocket arm and can run a little bit and then hope for the best, right? Like there's a universe where, you know, the Mahomes pick goes badly. Like I'm probably not given how good he is, but like, obviously people weren't clamoring to grab him like in the top five necessarily. Right. And so, I mean, Andy Reid, right? Like one of the functional, the three functional coaches in the NFL sees something in Patrick Mahomes, right? He's the guy who figures this stuff out. And I don't know if it's him or necessarily the general manager, but I'm sure sort of both of them combined. And you go, yeah, like that's why that guy's good at this, right? Like he might have just figured out how to use timeouts after 20 years, but like (laughs) he's good at other things. And some of these coaches I'm sure are good at other things, but a lot of them are not really good at anything. So um, (laughs) speaking of not good at anything, uh, your boy Vic Fangio by far my worst bet. So as much uh, as some of these others were, were losers, mm-hmm. uh, the Vic Fangio Denver Broncos coming off of a dramatic win 
should have seen this a mile away, but we, we were, we were, I was overwhelmed by the Falcons giving points. Yeah. Right? Like which, is drunk, which is which allowed. Which is allowed. Yeah. Even like, as it was, it was a seven point game. I know it was really no contest. I mean, they sort of, it was cosmetic at best, but like the defense for Denver, just atrocious. Uh, they were out two of their, their cornerbacks, right? Like that was a bigger issue than, you know, I gave yeah. credit for. So I'll take a, me- a mea culpa on that one. But the thin line, and I don't know how much of this game you watch, because I wouldn't blame you if you watched zero of it. <laughs> but the thin line of, of football, and even in these sort of blowouts, right? Like, mm-hmm. Matt, uh, it's a, I think it's 3 nothing, and Matt Ryan drops back to pass. And you can see the edge rusher. I think it might have been Chubb, but it might have been somebody else. Coming around the corner, and it's like every other Falcons game I've seen this year, Matt Ryan's going to get this ball knocked out of his hand. The Broncos are going to recover, and now we're going to have ourselves a football game here at just early on at 3 nothing. And yeah. he just misses hitting Matt Ryan. Like, it's literally not even a second, like a tenth of a second. Uh, and Matt Ryan gets the bomb thrown deep, and he completes it. And it's a touchdown, and it's 10 to nothing. And it's literally like <laughs> sliding doors. Like, there's that – I always talk about the alternative universe – where we see it every week where he gets the ball knocked out of his hand. And now Matt Ryan's scrambling and you know, he's never going to recover a fumble unless it's right at his feet. And that's sort of the game turner at that point. It's in the first quarter and nobody's ever going to talk about it. And listen, maybe the Falcons go on and win the game anyway, but it's like, man, that was so close to a thing that we see happen all the time, right? Like I'm not just making up Matt Ryan fumbling. It happens all the time. The thing I don't get about the Broncos is why are they always playing from behind? Why consistently are they like down and then have to make these crazy comebacks to then be live at the end of the game? Like, I don't understand that. Is that just bad coaching? Is that bad preparation? But it's tough when you're trying to cover these spreads and it's just basically backdoor cover. You're hoping for a backdoor cover every week. Yeah. All right. Well, with a guy like Drew Locke, you expect the first 15, right? Every team has their first 15 scripted. So even the shittiest teams are going to have like, okay, we've got the first 15. This is going to be the best our offense looks, right? So a lot of the times, if you live bet a bad team after they get an early touchdown, like that's a pretty good bet just because you know that it's not going to get any better than that. Like the Bears with Trubisky was sort of the prime team for that. Like Trubisky would come out and he'd look good because they had practiced the first 15 and he had that scripted, he could sleep on that. And then all of a sudden it goes to hell in a handbasket. Well, like the Broncos don't even have that. At this yeah, point, right? I don't like, get it. It's super confusing. And I'm also that game gonna... last week threw me for a loop, obviously. I'm also not going to blame you, though, because, like, Raheem Morris now has a three-and-one since he took over. I'm not going to yeah. blame you for, for not having that much faith in the Raheem Morris era sure. in Atlanta. That's okay. Yeah, I was willing That's to look it. past the Vic Fangio last week because he was going against Anthony Lynn and I'm like well that's a net like that's a net zero essentially right and I'm like same story this week right like again the Falcons won against the Panthers but it wasn't like we were sitting there on that Thursday night going like Falcons have cleaned it up we were all sitting there going like what are the Falcons doing like with every decision that they made right and then and they almost blew that game still and they almost blew that game still against Denver they still almost blew that game so. And they, yes, exactly. So, uh, is what it is, right? Swing and a miss there. Uh, I don't know that this necessarily means we need to start looking closer at Atlanta, but I did say, like, prove it to me that you can cover a mm-hmm. spread where you're the favorite at home, and then we'll sort of have that conversation. So, they play the Saints a couple of times here in the next few weeks, and I think that's going to be a sneaky spot where you're actually going to want the Falcons, again, as mm-hmm. underdogs, uh, but we'll see. 
Uh, and then the other losers to so start three and three, essentially here, Baltimore and Indianapolis. And Baltimore, a week after that Pittsburgh game, they kind of pulled the same version mm-hmm. on the Colts, where it was yep. like they stunk in the first half, like mm-hmm. offensively, defensively, especially offensively. And then they get the fluke play, right? Like the fumble return. You got Phil Rivers on his back. <laughs> I, like as much as everybody mocks Phil Rivers, like there's two other instances where he should have been tackled or knocked out of bounds where yeah. bigger, more athletic guys just absolutely blew that play. Like Phil and Rivers we're also is not 40 relying, years old. We're also not relying on Phil Rivers or expecting Phil Rivers to make that tackle, right? Like no yeah. one's expecting that. And I frankly, thought he was falling on purpose. Yeah, it, honestly, it was kind of his best strategy to, yeah. to make the tackle. That I'm just going <laughs> to – like it ended up that the guy jumped over him. Like in theory, that was kind of the best opportunity that he was ever going to have to make that tackle. And so uh, the play, of course, I need to harp about, as we do with regards to the commiseration, is the interception. You've seen this? So... See Jimmy Smith? I don't get this. I don't, I don't How get is this a all. catch in any, on any planet? I'm so confused by it. It makes no sense. And it makes me wonder. It, it throws me off in terms of the Ravens and how I'm looking at the Ravens going forward, right? Because right. you have two separate things, right? We all have our group chats with our friends who are different varying levels of like football fans or gamblers, yeah. right? Sure. So like how much are you actually paying attention? And what I mean by that is you look at the score and it's like, hey, my buddy messaged me before the game. He's like, how are the Ravens? Why is the number going down? Why is it basically a pick them? And right. I explained all these things. I'm like, oh, well, it's because the Colts are actually healthy. The Colts are in a better spot. The Ravens let down coming off the game against the Steelers. Blah, blah, blah. blah. Like, list off Rife all these with COVID. things. Yeah. <laughs> all these actual things you list off. They're missing two offensive linemen. They haven't looked well. Their offense isn't looking good. You list off all these things. But then at the end of the day, the scorecard – says 24 to 10 (laughs) and it's like oh okay so all those things i said was wrong and it's like well if you actually watch the game yeah when have you ever seen a call like that where i thought you had to have possession of the ball and if you have the ball in your fingertips yeah like two steps or two and, and a half steps. And it's like rotating in your fingers and it's like the back of your fingers in some case. Right? Like you've got like, you don't have and, use of your fingers. So you're sort of just kind of cl- like trying to clench it. And then and the guy just. To watch it in super slow mo to be yeah. like, oh, he took three steps backwards. His eyes closed and the other and the offensive player also has his hand on the ball. Hence why the ball got knocked out of his hands. Like, yeah. It's the most frustrating thing ever. And I know Simmons always talks about the VP of common sense. There yeah. needs to be the booth for that, right? Where someone right. just steps in and says, this doesn't, I know this is what the rule is, but let's yeah. add a level of common sense. That is well, not I've, a catch. Yeah. I mean, I've heard the like, hey, how about we just ask a group of people at the bar, right? Because <laughs> like, honestly, if you're just sitting around watching that game and you watch that play full speed, you go like, not a catch, not a catch in any way, shape or form. We're not talking about like, two feet in bounds, like all of that stuff that's sort of clear and obvious. And yeah. it's one thing if they call it a catch, an interception, and they just go, yeah, you know, we're not going to overturn that because maybe he had control. <laughs> but the idea that it was like, oh, it's incomplete. Let's take a look at this. Oh, now it's complete and it's clear and obvious. Like that's they offensive. Yeah, like that is offensive. And it's 10, you know, it's it, like it's what, 10-7, I think at that point for the Colts. Oh, uh, huge and then of swing. course, like, but yeah, this is what I'm saying. Those... Stop 
It's so bad. Well, you look at the score again, right? It's 24 to 10 was the final in that game. But right. like you look at those two plays, those are two massive, massive swings. And yeah. when you look at from a game plan standpoint, that first half, the way that the Colts came out, the game plan was correct. You had Phil yeah. Rivers spreading everything out. He's hitting all these short passes. They're trying to get out and run the ball. And everything was just, you know, they had Lamar under control from a, uh, keeping him down on an on an offensive standpoint. And the game plan seemed to be playing out well for the Colts. And then you have these two massive swings, yeah. and it just changes the whole narrative of the game. And it's embarrassing. It's actually embarrassing that call. Yeah. I don't understand how that happens. I don't understand yeah. how you can have a call and then, as you mentioned, you overturn, like you completely are just like, oh yeah, he challenged it and it's clear and obvious. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And listen, like, and it's, and it's not just like, okay, well, they could have stopped them, you know, like, uh, (laughs) sure. But like, first of all, if you're the defense, right, you just get this huge goal line stop on the Ravens. And now you're getting, you're getting water, you're getting your Gatorade or whatever. You turn around and they're like, oh, they're reviewing this interception. You're like, what? And you're watching the screen and you're like, that's not going to get overturned. And then all of a sudden they say, yeah, it is getting overturned. Like you're playing right now, get out there. And you're yeah. like, what? Meanwhile, like Baltimore, who's just, you know, dragged themselves off the field after fumbling down by the goal line is like extra energy. And you're just yeah. like, OK, now we've got a short field. And like, of course, they were going to score one way or another in that situation. And you're hoping that it could be held to a field goal. But like Baltimore is good enough that you yeah. can't rely on that in that quick turnaround. So there was it's, everything going against the Colts in that play. It's so just I don't know. If- rare. It's very rare that I'll ever agree with Phil Rivers. Like, you know, we're just different dudes. But in this post game where he's like, you know, you have these calls made by some guy in a booth that's never, what do you say? That's like never thrown or caught a football before. Like something, I'm paraphrasing. I'm paraphrasing here. But I was like, you know what? That sounds harsh. But I agree with him. Like, it's a ridiculous call. There's no way that that person actually played sports and was like, you know what? That's a clear and obvious catch. Yeah, you didn't yeah. even play Madden before. I'd question if that person has played Madden. Yeah, no, it makes me so mad. So uh, three and three to start from the uh, best bet standpoint, but one and three in the circa million to start. Uh, okay. Two other games from that early set, uh, slate, Minnesota and Tennessee. I'm just going to sort of group those together as okay. games that I basically didn't watch anything of and <laughs> games that I liked the favorite all week, right? I talked about yep. how I wasn't able to make a case for Chicago, it felt a lot like the Rams game and actually like played out almost identical to the yeah. Rams game in a weird way. And then Minnesota as well, just sort of like they own the Lions. And in both cases, the Lions started to drop day of. And mm-hmm. so I just stayed away because, you know, and, and I have to teach myself that, listen, I can make these cases for underdogs. I'm an underdog better at heart. Yeah. Uh, I like taking the points, right? You and I are both sort of in that vein. And mm-hmm. I just have to understand that, like, if I don't like an underdog, if I can't make a case for an underdog, I got to just bet the favorite in that spot. Because yeah. the times where I can sort of make a case for both and I lean the favorite and I bet the favorite, those rarely, you know, those go relatively poorly relative to the percentages that I'm kind of hoping for. But, like, I just got to bite the bullet and just go, yeah, Tennessee minus six, go for it. Minnesota minus four even got sort of in the minus three zone and in both cases complete whitewashes on teams that you know both NFC North teams in Detroit and Chicago 
that just don't have it offensively. So I don't know if you have anything to add with either no, of these games. Maybe just, you're sitting there going like, I'm all over this Bears-Titans game. Can't wait to talk to Russell about it tomorrow. No, no, no. It wasn't that. The only thing I would say about that game is like that was a beatdown, right? Like that score is yeah. an indicative of what that game was. Although I would like to shout out Nick Foles, who I had to start this week on my fantasy team. Because oh, you, start, okay. you start two quarterbacks a week. But yeah. Wentz is on a bye. Had to start Nick Foles. Okay. And the garbage time points, greatly appreciated. Garbage Shout time points, out. but didn't mess up the cover. Right. Hey, we're just sitting here <laughs> celebrating. That's a celebration. Chef's kiss. All right. <laughs> uh, so we go into the 4 o'clock games then, and we mm-hmm. got to start with the big one. Miami, Arizona. Uh, relatively easy cover to have us go 2-3 and three in the Circa Million and get us to 4-3 and three in the best bets. Um, yeah. Tua looked awesome. Right? It was incredible. It was yeah. everything that we talked about in terms of trusting what, like Brian Flores has just shown that he is a great coach. And so this plan that they've had with Tua, it just, you had to trust that, right? Because at yeah. all the moves that he's made so far has shown us that he is someone to be trusted. And Tua looked like amazing, amazing. Yeah. Everything yeah. that you could think of that you would want from your quarterback, making plays, scrambling, throwing on the run. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. It's like he got energy from watching Kyler zip around. And it was like one of those <laughs> yes. deals where like you watch it. If you're watching like an NBA game and it's a really good game, you're like, I'm going to go shoot some hoops right now. And yeah. you start like trying fadeaways because <laughs> you just watch Kobe drop like 50 on somebody. Yeah. And you're like, I can do this too. Like obviously not in the same way. But like two is like, I can scramble to Kyler. And it was like <laughs> really awesome. And it's obviously like not nearly as electric, but like, pretty close there was one run yeah. where i thought he was going to score a touchdown he came up you know sort of just inside the five where he was sort of spinning away from guys mm-hmm. and it was really sort of fun to see um miami's defense right it's going to look a lot worse than it actually was one they got a touchdown right for the second straight week so i thought we might be getting into that same zone where you know if the dolphins get a lead because their defense does a bunch of stuff we don't need anything from two and like we're never going to get that situation again where we get a full look at a quarterback, at a rookie quarterback, we win the bet last week yeah. with the, you know, against the Rams, and yeah. we still get value the next week Insane. using the same, you know, properties, right? So it's like a two for one win in that situation. So I don't know that we're going to sort of get that opportunity ever again. But the well, Miami it just defense... goes for the one thing Sorry, I was going to say though, it just goes to show what public narratives are, right? Like there is actually a public narrative of people saying, "Well, what about Ryan Fitzpatrick?" Like that was yeah, a thing that because some of one game that they won saying. by like two touchdowns. <laughs> like, okay, what? sure. Um, the one thing I wanted to mention: Miami's defense, the touchdown, but also Xavier Howard, whose wife did he sleep with on the referee crew to be getting all of those pass interference calls? Arguably one of the top corners in the league, ding up hard on DeAndre Hopkins, like reading yeah. him before he even knew, like he was drawing charges out there like <laughs> Kyle Lowry and like the referees were like pass interference. And it's like, dude, I literally just stepped in front. Like I'm allowed to stand the <laughs> places on the field. Like that's legal. And there was at least two, well, he got called for four. I would say one of them was a legit call. This two of, you know, the second one, like a 50, 50, and then two that were just abject atrocities that kept Cardinals drives alive. So I'm not going to beat up the Dolphins defense in this case. Uh, There was the touchdown that was like, again, lost to history because the Dolphins won the game, but the touchdown where they had the ball intercepted, but the guy like wrestled it away and he gets control of it while he's on the ground, but he's lying on the out out of bounds. Yeah. It makes sense. And they don't even review it. 
they're like, they call down. They're like, good enough. I'm like, what on earth? And of course, all of these are going against us, right? And I would say, yeah. like, in theory, it all evens out. And maybe next week, all the calls will go for us. And I won't even mention it because it won't be this sort of, I won't be aggrieved by it, right? Like, I'm yeah, yeah, self-aware yeah. enough to know that, like, if we get all of these calls one week, I'm going to forget it as soon as it happens, right? But, yeah. like, again, another one that we win. So it's not sour grapes, like, should have won, da 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 It's like, no, we won the game. And how bad was the refereeing on the side of the Arizona Cardinals in this one? Um, yeah, it's terrible. Okay, a couple more that we got, and we'll get you out of here. Las Vegas and the L.A. Chargers your boy Anthony Lynn out here doing it again. And listen, I like I defend Anthony Lynn in two ways. One, oh. I, I well, I defend him in general. One, he's five and three against the spread this year. So if you're okay. out here going like I'm fading the Chargers because of Anthony Lynn, you're three and five, and you're yeah. almost as big of a loser as Anthony Lynn is. And Anthony Lynn okay. is a loser. Like he's just a <laughs> loser head coach. I don't mean that like his friends don't like him. He's everything uh, I've heard. He's an outstanding person, right? A Charitable. Great guy like leader, all of that stuff. Great guy. Like, I think I really like him as a person, but as a coach, like making decisions, he's a loser. Like he just does things <laughs> to lose games. Right. And so, but on the, on the flip side, I also think that in 2020, like we're obsessed with analyzing coaching decisions. I don't know if it's because we all think that like, if we were just given a headset, we could go out there and do it. Whereas if we were the quarterback, we would all die. Like it's the one <laughs> thing involved in the game where it's like, we can do that. Right. Yeah. And we go like, yeah. Oh, idiot. Um, but like, it's cause we all have access to Madden and we all have access yeah. to Twitter. Well, and it is because like fundamentally these are very basic things that you need to be able to do. But I always <laughs> go like, you know, we're, we're also allowed to blame the players at times. Right. Okay. And so like the, you know, the chargers miss a field goal, right. The classic Badgley, the money badger, um, he, he misses a field goal early on, right? Lost to history. I don't know how that's Anthony Lynn's fault, right? How's that Probably nickname not. going for him, by the way? Uh, right, yeah. T-shirts are not flying off the shelves. It's not the same as commiserate and celebrate. Um, <laughs> Two-point, you know, they score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Two-point conversion. But Herbert gets hurt on the, yeah. on the touchdown. And it's not an injury where it's like you're out of the game because it's not, in a way, if he was out for the season or something or out of the game, it would be like almost more stomachable that it was yeah. like, oh yeah, he got hurt. But it was like, he was literally out for one play and it just happened to be a two point conversion to tie the game. And then of course, you know, like <laughs> we've got a chaos <laughs> happening on the two point conversion, you know, because, you know, completely unprepared situation, right? Where it's like, oh, well, Herbert was just out here and now I, I, we're going in here and my man's got his lung punctured. Who knows if yeah. that's still, you know, tightened up. Who knows what the um, injury is, yeah. Right, has that reinflated since, since he, got his, uh, he got stabbed? Uh, and then, of course, they don't get the two-point conversion. It's like, is that Anthony Lynn's fault or is this team legitimately so... cursed? And then, of course, the last thing is the muffed punt, right? They're down mm-hmm. two. They're getting the ball back. Everybody has all the faith in the world in Justin Herbert. And they muff the punt. The Raiders get the ball. They kick a field goal because the defense comes through and stops them. Mm -hmm. And now it's a five-point game. And they still get the ball all the way down the field. And then it just all falls apart. Yeah. So here's the thing. All of those things you just said are correct. And I'm going to be a prisoner of the moment and the end of the game. And I'm going to blame Anthony Lynn for poor clock management, which I know isn't all on him, right? Because, like, obviously Herbert plays a role in that as well. But terrible clock management and using their timeouts, they wasted so much time on that drive 
Yeah, there's a lot of time them, wasting. A whole lot of time wasting. And that I'm pointing at the coach, mm-hmm. for one. The second thing I'm pointing to the coach is going to be the fact that in the year 2020, right, <laughs> where offenses mm-hmm. have become so complex, so, like, you know, imaginative, how are you just throwing two fades to right. people who are not Randy Moss with the game on the line. I just don't understand that. I don't like the whole argument about the fade as a play. Right. I know that's a whole like uh, Twitter and internet and analytical thing. And I get all that. Mm -hmm. My whole thing is who is Donald Parham? Right. Okay. Who is that? So that's not Randy Moss. I'm not just throwing a fade to him with the game on the line from like the two yard line. I need right. that to make sense. Make make that make sense to me. Well, okay. So so the thing is, like, yes, the headline is two, like capital <laughs> T, ta- capital W, ta- capital O, fades, right? Like two yeah. fades. And the reason is, so here's the defense. So the first okay. one is defensible because there's what, five, six seconds left in the game, right? Correct. So yep. you know that you have, you have two options here. You have either a quick play because you have mm-hmm. no timeouts or you have a, one slow play. And so this one slow play, you're going to have whether you have five seconds or one second left, right? Because this isn't the NBA where you have to shoot it. You know, the ball has to leave your hands. You can run around for 20 minutes if you want with one second left because you know, you know, right? You can be zeros on the clock. So that first play is essentially a bonus play. You know what I mean? In that, like, as long as you get it done in four seconds, you can run the same play, the same good play (laughs) with one second left that you can run with five seconds left, right? So when you talk about the analytics and like fades don't work and you say Randy Moss, like I'd make the case that Mike Williams might be this generation's Randy Moss. He just can't stay healthy. And what I mean by that is like making the insane catches. Like every week that guy plays, right? He's like Homer bent over backwards of the fire hydrant, you know, trying to make these catches. And you, you know, you understand why he's out every second game because he just (laughs) flings his body around in a ridiculous way, right? Mm -hmm. So that first play has to take four seconds. So the best way to do that or sort of, you know, so essentially you have maybe what, three, four plays in your entire playbook that can only take three or four seconds. And of course, one of them's a fade. There's probably sort of a faster, you know, line drive type throw in there as well. But when you've got Mike Williams, a guy who can jump over everybody and always somehow comes through with the ball, that's acceptable because you, it's essentially a free play if you can do it quick enough. Okay, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. With okay. one second to go, you have the entire playbook. You could run the ball <laughs> if you wanted to, right? Because yeah. this is it. Like, yeah. this is it. And so they run it to your boy, Donald Parham, or like they run the play to him because, in part, Mike Williams gets hurt. Like, if Mike Williams doesn't get hurt there, I bet you they throw another They do the same play. <laughs> they do the same play to him. And they come out and you go, oh, there's this diamond formation. And it's like, it's, it's not unlike the Ron Revere decision to go for two against the Giants the first time around where you go, if you've got a play here, now's the time to use it. And they come out with that formation. You're like, they got something brewing. And like the <laughs> announcers are talking about like how they're, you know, they're going to use this diamond and da, 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 da. And no, it's all just there to get single coverage for your boy, Donald Parham. And of course <laughs> that goes about as well as you'd expect it to. So the headline is two yeah but the reality is like the first one is a good play because of how limited the playbook was for plays that only take three or four seconds it's that next one where you're just like 
ooh, like <laughs> you've got Justin Herbert, right? Like run him on some sort of option type deal. Exactly. Like even, you know, like there's a billion different things you can do with your mobile quarterback. You don't have to run a play that only takes three seconds that second time around. First time, yes. Second time, run something, man. Like run yeah. something other what than your ice best throw play? you catch. Well, that's it, right? And it can't be a fade to Donald Parham, right? Like maybe it's a fade to Mike Williams. I kind of get that. He's sick. Okay. But like, it's definitely not to Donald Parham at that point, especially when you have Keenan Allen, who again, you think would be able to get open for a second at right? some point as Herbert, mobile as hell, can run around all over the place. So And, and poor dude having to pretend that he caught it and celebrate with the rest of his team fully knowing know. that he didn't catch it. <laughs> and I'm watching that play live, and I'm like, no, the ball hit the ground. Like, this sucks because I'm on the Chargers. <laughs> this is the difference. This one play is the difference between me going five and three and me going four and four. So kind yeah. of a big deal for me. And yeah. I'm just sitting there watching going, like, I don't care. The first three replays don't even really show up, but I'm like, I saw it live. Like, he never caught it. <laughs> never and it's it. just so ridiculous. So I know you got to go. So we're going to get you out of here on this. Pittsburgh and Dallas, right? Pittsburgh, uh, classic letdown spot. We get there with the 14 and a half points. Never even cl- comes close. Yeah. But what I want to say about, Pitts, about Dallas is from a big picture standpoint, all week, people talking about, or last all month, really, how about, oh, how everybody was wrong about Dallas before the season as this contender to potentially win the Super Bowl. And, it, and it's like, we weren't wrong. Everybody got hurt. Yeah. And now the defensive guys are starting to come back, right? Like you watch yep. that team and you're like, they're pretty loaded at least on the defensive line and linebacker when Vander Esch and Smith are playing. Yeah. And so like, they're not a 14 and a half point underdog to Pittsburgh. And we didn't yeah. know about Gilbert. Right. And so we're all sort of stunned and stunted by Danucci. And <laughs> it comes down to some sketchy penalty calls, right? Very like Jalen Smith, sketchy. Like Jalen Smith rubs the face of Roethlisberger and you go, okay, like that is a penalty, but that doesn't get called very often. And of course, like first drive of Tampa, New Orleans, Brady gets <laughs> like dusted by his face and yeah. doesn't you know doesn't get the call and you're just like see like it's a 50 also too thing. also too late on that drive on the game winning well the potential game winning drive for mm-hmm. uh gilbert he also gets hit yeah a similar thing he just doesn't flop like roethlisberger does which is a yeah. vet move by roethlisberger knowing sure. that he's going to get the play call but still like that's a terrible way to lose and i get that again yes by the letter of the law that is a flag, but the Jalen right. Smith one is just, that's just dumb. Like, well, and Jalen Smith also got called for an illegal contact that was very similar to the Xavier Howard plays where he was like, I'm just standing here. Chase Claypool <laughs> just ran into me and yeah. tripped over my feet and sort of bambied himself down the field. And Roethlisberger, you know, gets stripped and the Cowboys have the ball. And like, that looks like that could be the game clinching play. And it's yeah. like, no, illegal contact. And Jalen Smith's just like, I'm sitting here playing football. Like it, <laughs> fundamentally, when you're talking about like the guys getting in the review booth, it's like, yeah, yeah like uh, are these referees familiar with football? Like there's going to be contact. You can't call every little piece of contact just because this guy sort of slid and fell down. Like it's so yeah. bad. And it was just like that all day. And of course, I, you know, I switched on Sunday morning, essentially, well, really Saturday afternoon, but like Sunday morning, I announced switching our survivor pick from Pittsburgh over to New England. So obviously I was way into Pittsburgh losing and would have been thrilled with dodging that bullet. We've got the Patriots tonight. Um, what do you have for the for this game? I'm on the Patriots, but I'm on them from like earlier. I, what's, a, yeah. what's the line at now? It's like I 10 had them at now. Like seven. At yeah. 10, that's a tough. 
that's too many points, right? Like, yeah, I probably. know it's the I know it's the Jets, and I, and I get that, and it's even your man's Joe Flacco, and I get that. Right. But this is just going to be the classic, uh, you know, New England Bill Belichick. Just get the win, right? God, like, I hope so. Just get <laughs> for sure. I, I hope so too, right? But it's just like yeah. just get the win, and yeah. a couple things. Well, no, we'll stick to this game. I just think that you know, at the end of the day. Just get the win. 10 points is a lot. There's nothing that shows me that you should be confident in taking Cam Newton-led offense to cover no. a 10-point spread. Not at this all point. I, all I ask from Cam, this, and this is literally all I ask, don't fumble the football. If you yeah. don't fumble the football, I'm fine with any result that happens. Like, I can live with a loss of Newton and Belichick to Gase and Flacco as long as you just don't fumble the football. Anything else that happens, I'm fine with it. Like, I will yeah. sort of take my medicine there. Um, can't recommend a bet, especially on minus 10. I'm not going to – I mean, yes, it's too many points. Jets plus 10 in theory is good value. But we're too deep into this to um, recommend a bet <laughs> in this game um, with regards to our survivor pick that yeah. is just sort of chugging along here. So um, let's go. Speaking of chugging along, uh, check us out on Thursday. Shell, tell them where they can find the pod, your picks, the social media, all that good stuff. Yeah, so we got this little thing called the On Blast Podcast Network. There's a couple of pods there, some basketball stuff, some reality TV stuff. And, of course, with Mr. Matt Russell, who's blessed us this year with uh, (laughs) some NFL talk on Thursdays where we go through the lines and just break things down, talk about picks. I give him my, like, terrible Joe Public picks, and he talks me out of them. And that's basically the nature of that pod. And it's, yeah. it's, it's good. It, it's, it's a very good conversation is we just try to help people get introduced to gambling more so than, you know, the heavy, hardcore, what Mr. Russell normally does. He's educating some folks, dropping some knowledge. And we appreciate that. That's every Thursday. And you can find yeah. that again on Blast Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Like and subscribe, even YouTube videos as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you can find those videos. What's the on Twitter handle? Twitter handle. Twitter handle at Shell Alexander. There you go. Thank you very much, sir. Hopefully, we will uh, we'll do a little bit better next week. Uh, we'll have everything ready to break down on Thursday. Thanks, buddy. All right, take care, my dude. Fun breaking down Sunday's action on and off the field with my man Sheldon. I'll be back tomorrow with the look ahead to next week's slate in the NFL. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast till next time. I'll see you at the window.